Welcome to the Destiny Church Tees Valley podcast. As you listen, it is our prayer that you are transformed by audacious faith, inspiring hope, and extravagant love. We've heard some awesome stuff, haven't we, already this morning? And um, every time they were saying something, I was thinking, oh, I ought to say this, and then I ought to say that, and you know, and... And my mind running away, but you will be thankful that I have a bad memory. So, <laughs> so, so I remember very little about it. But um, one of the things that obviously came through as a theme um, was obviously about the oil, and that was powerfully put across um, uh, by both Linda and and Rachel. And um, what what my thoughts were when they were talking, and particularly in the the concept of of it because normally when we talk about the oil we talk about provision and God's provision and how he will provide but actually them seeing it as the oil as being it's a provision but it's a gift um, it's something that God has given you um, I thought was a, a fascinating side but it just to, to let you know that uh, obviously next week's Pentecost um, but the, the, the week after that and sort of thing we're going to start a series on well, not on oil, but I might do oil now. <laughs> um, but um, but he's on, on using your gifts to serve the body of Christ, about serving in ministry. The call of God, God has given each of us something to contribute to the body of Christ. And um, I remember Craig Groeschel saying something, and he was saying that um, it's not my job to fill somebody else's bucket it is, you know, in other words, to, 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 for them to be full. My job is that I be full and I pour out what I have. So in other words, that, that obviously is, is for me, for example, like in preaching, sometimes I can preach and I think to myself, nobody's listening. But actually, that isn't my responsibility. If you don't receive, that's not my problem. My issue is that I'm filled and that I give of what I've got. So if you want to be filled and you receive it, that's something that you do. Nobody else can do that for you. This morning, you'll hear obviously voluntarily, but everything in the kingdom of God is about a choice. It's a decision that you make. And so your decision has to serve. So if you're going to serve in the kids' work, it's your decision. Yes, now people might ask you to, to, to do that, but actually, it's what has God put in your heart that he wants you to do to enable the church of Jesus Christ, which Jesus died for, in order that we could become what he wants us to become. We cannot do it a one-man band. It doesn't matter how good my preaching is, and I know it's not very good, but all I'm saying is let's just presume I was as good as uh, Rick Warren or T.D. Jakes or Craig Rochelle or any of these numbers, or, sorry, even better, Charlotte. Let's just, say, let's just say we were on that kind of level, yes? Now, all I'm saying to you is that doesn't fill churches. That doesn't change lives, yes? But it's what that seed does. So they pour out when the girls were there this weekend. It was their receptivity of their heart. There will have been some people in there that will have gone away from there and said, oh, I didn't agree with this, and I didn't agree with that, and I didn't like this, or whatever. In other words, you can be in the presence of God and be oblivious to what God is doing. 
And so it's important for us to do that, isn't it? To be aware of that. So I want this morning for you to understand it's your heart that matters. It's your receptivity to what God says to us that actually makes a massive difference, yes? So even if my preaching is pathetic, you can receive something because the Word of God is coming forth. So if I just read one scripture, and in all the midst of it you think, what a wally, but at least our scripture is the Word of God, it is a penetrating and will go into the very depths of our heart, and you'll receive something, you could go away with just one word, one scripture, and you can go away and it will change your life, because that's what God's Word does. It changes us, and that's why when I've been talking about worldviews, I'm trying to talk about changing your perspective on life. That's what happens. That's why we invite people to church. That's why we invite people to our connect group. That's why we invite people to know Jesus Christ is because it's a heart change. It's a life transformation. It's a different perspective. And I'm trying to say to you, this is how the world thinks, but this is how God wants us to think. That every day we need to be thinking about how we're thinking. Why do I think like I think? Is it, is it that God thought that's in me? In other words, am I... Do I see myself as God sees, my, sees me? Or am I seeing myself as how I think other people see me? Or am I seeing myself as how I think? And how others, you know, whatever it might be. So we've got to understand that, that there's a perception. And so you can be sincere, but you can be sincerely wrong. And unfortunately, we live in a world that are very sincere, and they have some very views that are sincere, but they are wrong. And it's important for us to understand that there is a truth. And there are absolute truths. There are things that are actually true, whether the whole world acknowledges them or not, they're still true. And we are born into the kingdom of God to live by the truth and to understand the truth, yes? And so we've looked, for example, obviously we've talked about the importance of how does it matter what we believe? And now it's uh, other things. But this week I want to talk about the solution. And <clears throat> so for those of you that have been here for many, many years, ought to know what the solution is. <laughs> yes? <clears throat> and, but sometimes it's the best kept secret, isn't it? The solution that we have. And so some of the things I'm going to talk about today, we ought to be able to explain. We ought to be able to give an answer for why we believe. We need to understand what does the cross do? Why is it that we as Christians, what is it that we believe that actually makes a difference? Because the world has its way of looking and solving the world's problems. The, the way that pe people approach it, the world approaches it, one of the things is politics. That, that's one of the ways that we try to do government. Now, of course, it's highlighted for us at the moment with Brexit, isn't it? And you've kind of got the for and against, and we've got all the kind of in-betweens and whatever. Um, <clears throat> but the issue is, is people see politics as an answer to the problems in the world. Because they think that actually, if we just make the right laws, we change the laws, people will behave differently... And so we will answer the world's problems. But one of the things that I've found is, is that actually you can change a law, but you don't change the heart. 
So, in other words, you can say, right, the speed limit in this country is 70 miles an hour. It's a fact, isn't it? It's the law. So, we've legislated in this country for, for 70 miles an hour on the motorways or on a dual carriageway. But people don't keep to it, do they? Why do they not keep to it? Because it's not fundamentally changed the way they think. So, they, they will slow down to 70 if they see a blue flashing light or they see a camera or they see, do you know what I mean? Yes? So what, what I'm trying to say is laws don't change the world. Yeah? But what the law and Paul talked about is the law does help us to see that there are problems. The law does see, show us that actually we don't get things right. And then when there are some very simple laws in the world like 30 mile an hour and we can't keep that, how can we keep some of the big laws? But it's a, it's, it's a popular thing that people think that they can do that. The second popular approach to world problems is education. In other words, we think, <clears throat> the world thinks so often that if we can just educate people better, the problems would solve themselves. So they, 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 they do that all over the world, don't they? We, we go in, we try to educate people. Now, I don't want you to think that I'm anti-government or I'm anti-education or any of these things. And I'll tell you why. The church is in 90% of the cases is the one who actually starts the first schools and the first hospitals and the first education systems in any country in the world. It's the Christians that are into education. They, they understand the importance. So I'm not... As John, John Andrews would say, don't hear what I'm not saying. I like that, actually. I'm going to try and adopt that. So don't hear what I'm not saying. Just hear what I'm saying is it's not the answer to the world's problems. The other one is material. In other words, an economic. If we could just get people to be, have more money, if people could have more resources, if we could just get everybody so that they were kind of comfortable, that would sort the world's problems out. But unfortunately, we understand that that's not the answer. Now, whether you're a socialist or a capitalist, socialists believe that actually everybody should put the money into one pot and then it's all evenly distributed. The problem with that is it doesn't get evenly distributed, <laughs> except among the top guys. They might get an even distribution of their unfair distribution. <laughs> and then... And, and then you've got capitalism, which obviously believes in free enterprise. And so people, if they get the ability to kind of start a business for themselves and make themselves better, and the world will get sorted, you know? So whichever of those on. But the, the issue is, is people, it's a popular view that people think that if, if only we could do that. But there are F-R-M, famous, rich, and miserable are the, the famous and the rich, but the miserable. And, and, and we, we know that. We can, we can say that some of the pop stars and some of the entertainers, some of these things, they have got the money galore. They've got the fame. Yes, but they still have problems. I won't mention names, but, we, but all I'm saying to you is, is that it doesn't, it's not the answer to the world's problems. Some think it's psychological. If only we could get people to feel better. In other words, that you know, they don't, so you don't feel guilty anymore, that we just change things and, and that you will just feel better about yourself. But 
you know, you can feel good about something, but it doesn't make it right. You know, inside, there's still something wrong. It doesn't solve the world's problems, does it? Yes? Because we are created for purpose. Or sociological. This was a big one, uh, certainly before um, Stalin and Hitler and these came on the, on the scene. There was even, you know, Christians were believing that actually if only we could change the structures and the organization in our society and that, that people would actually, if we could get them working together and, and, and in unity together, that that would be answered. And of course, Hitler got people working together. But it didn't answer the world's problems, did it? Because he was an eats the heart. Oh, what about biological? Some people think if only we could solve some of the physical aspects. In other words, if our bodies got sorted. Yes? You know, if everybody could have a body like me. What I'm saying is we, we understand, don't we? We're trying to do that. So there's pills and procedures in order we think, and the world thinks that if we can just get a pill for it, or we can just get a procedure, we can just do something, and so the world tries to do it. Uh, let's just look at cancer, for example. We think if we can do certain, um, certain um, tablets, if we can do certain, certain procedures and whatever it might be, that we can cure it. It is not curing cancer. It's, trying to, it's giving people longer lives and it's helping, and I'm, we're, not, you know, we're all in favor of that. But what I'm saying is, is sickness and disease are still rampant. In fact, they always say best place to, to avoid is a hospital <coughs> because of the, the superbugs and all these things now. It's actually the most dangerous place to go. You're more liable to die in hospital than you are anywhere else. That's usually because you're sick when you go, but anyway. <coughs> but there is, of course, God's answer to the world's problems. And this is a heart change. It's about transformation. It's taking people who hate to love. It's taking people who are dishonest to be honest. It's taking the selfish to become selfless. In other words, it's a heart change. That doesn't happen with, through laws or government. It doesn't happen through biological changes. It doesn't change through anything else. It changes because God changes a heart. And that's why we are here today. Because we know that the solution to the world's problems is actually here today. Christ is here. God is here. And he is able to change us and to transform us. <coughs> Proverbs 4 and verse 23 says this, Above all else, guard your wallet. Doesn't, does it? Above all else, guard your heart. Yes? In other words, the heart is the thing that's so precious to us, isn't it? But the heart is what we have the problem with. What are some of the heart diseases that we have? Well, the first one we have is guilt. It's a disease of the heart. We feel guilty about things. And you can't be healthy and, and feeling guilty. In fact, I, I read a study a number of years ago that they're done, that they were saying that actually, I can't remember what the percentage was, but it was something like, say, 50, 60%, if not more, 
of people would actually be able to leave hospital if only they dealt with the guilt and the shame in their life. Because that was what's tearing them up. The problem is, is when you feel guilty, you feel worthless. When I feel guilty about something and I've done something and I've, I've offended somebody or I've hurt somebody, we feel worthless. We think, who am I? <coughs> Another disease of the heart is compulsion. We do things. Paul the Apostle says, I do that which what I don't want to do and that which... I want to do, I don't do. And so we're all in that same boat, aren't we? Is there anybody here who does everything that they want to do and doesn't do anything that they don't want to do? I know for a guaranteed fact that 100% of people all struggle with this. We struggle with compulsions in our life. We are, because we understand that we, are, and we talked about this the other week, about nature as well as nurturing things, but we have a nature that, that, that has a propensity to sin. There is, there is all the time is swerving to rocks. And so we have them. And so when we have a habit that we can't control, we feel powerless, don't we? We just feel powerless. That's a symptom of, of this. Another heart disease is alienation. Because every time... In our relationships, because we are not perfect, we say things, we do things, we respond in different ways, we, 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 we understand and interpret things in different ways because we are broken people. And so what that does is when I, let's say, for example, if I say something to Kath and it, it, it hurts her, what that does is that alienates us, it separates us. And, and, and it causes a problem between, between us, yes? And we have a world filled with lonely people. For all the internet, for all the connections, for all the things that this world has, we have a world full of lonely people. They're in a crowded room and yet they're lonely. They're having relationships, but they're lonely. There's shallowness in it because of the guilt of the heart. Another heart disease is confusion. We get confused. And because we don't understand right from wrong, we don't understand what's going on, we feel aimless and people in life are aimless. They don't know where they're going. They don't know what life's about, but God enables us to do that. Another heart disease is worry. We worry about so many things, don't we? And the scriptures fills with us, telling us over and over again, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. And yet what do we do? We worry and we worry and we worry. Yes, and yet God has, has made it clear not to do that. And yet we do it. And what does that do when we worry? It makes us restless. It makes us disengaged. It, uh, it makes us anxious. But the good news is that the death of our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross is the solution to every single one of man's and women's and every child's problem. It is the solution. And the first solution is, is, is because I'm keeping with ours, replacement. You probably might know it for those who've been a while, is substitution. Yes, we would say substitutionary atonement. But in other words, <clears throat> that's because Jesus took our place. He took our place on the cross. 
Romans 3.25 says, God sent Christ Jesus to take the punishment for our sin and to end all God's anger against us. God took the sinless Christ and poured into him our sins. Then in exchange, he poured God's goodness into us. Isn't that fantastic that that's what he did to us? Now, the thing is sometimes about, about substitution, <clears throat> it's understanding it in the right way. So, for example, like if you think of it in football terms, I don't know about you, but I don't like it. If I'm playing in the game, I don't want to substitute. I want to stay in the game. Yeah? So sometimes we see it as a negative. But actually, if I'm in a queue to be sent to a death, like in the concentration camps, and I know for well that's where I'm going, and somebody says to me, I'll take your place, now, that's a different matter, isn't it? Now, I'm not against that person coming into the game, yeah? And we know that. And, and, and um, on, on Alpha, it's one of the, 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 uh, the illustrations that uh, Nicky Gumbel talks about. He talks about this, uh, this guy, I can't remember his name, Maximilian, somebody or other. Anyway, but he took the place of, of this young man who had a family. And, um, and as, a, as a result of that, um, it, it, the, the Pope was actually had a big thing and, and talked about how this one man, um, he was a priest, I think, in the Catholic Church, had saved generations as a result of it. And, and, but because of our guilt, because of our habits, because of our alienation and these things, Jesus took our punishment because our sin had to be paid for. And so he took it. And it's important for us to understand that, that he took our place, so you don't have to. And that's important in life, to un because so often when we feel guilty about things and we have uh, issues in our life, we start, and we start to try to think, I've got to put things right, I've got to work harder, I've got to do things, or I know God loves me, but I, I, I've got to work hard for God. Well, actually, that's not about salvation. You can never, ever earn your salvation because Jesus paid for it in full. He paid for it in full. In other words, it's like um, going to, um, you've got a lot of debt and, um, and you, you hold, let's say you've had a business and you owe hundreds of thousands of pounds and you can't pay it so you're in front of, um, you know, you've got say the, the bailiffs are coming round and they were ready to kind of take all the goods from your business and whatever, and, and you, you realize you're just going to be kind of crippled. And then somebody comes in to your, while the bailiffs are there, and says, what, what's, what's the problem? What's the debt? And you say, oh, my debt is £200,000, but I, can't, I can't, just can't do it. And so he comes in and goes, there's your £200,000. I don't know about you, but I'd be pretty pleased. Yeah? But that's what Jesus did. He pray, paid the price for our sin. He paid for what we could not pay for. We could never pay for it because you have to be perfect. You have to be sinless. And so God um, did that. He brought Jesus who was sinless. The second thing is that we get is not just a substitution. We get a redemption. He bought our freedom. Yes? So he not only took our punishment, 
he bought our freedom. 1 Timothy 2 and verse 6 says, He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. In, in verse 19, in 2 Peter 2, it says, You are a slave to whatever controls you. And Psalm 49, verses 7 to 8 says, We can never redeem ourselves. We cannot pay God the price for our lives because the payment for a human life is too great. Can you see how this fits in with the heart issues? When we feel guilty, he took our punishment. When we feel life is out of control and the compulsions and the habits of our life, he says, but I've paid for your freedom. You're no longer bound, you're no longer a slave, you're now free. You're no longer a slave to those things, but now you're my friend. Isn't that fantastic to think you're a friend of God? That's what he brings us into. He bought, bought a friend. The third thing that he does is, uh, he's, is reconciliation. In other words, he restores our relationship with God. And that is the relationship that matters. Because every other relationship depends on that relationship. Because if our relationship with God is not right, eternity is out of focus. If our relationship with God is not right, every other, we're going to have a problem in every other area of our life. So it has to be that the reconciliation first and foremost with God. And Romans 5 verse 10 says, We were God's enemies, but he made us his friends through the death of his son. Isn't that fantastic? Where once we were slaves to our habits, to our compulsions, to the things, and we just couldn't change our life, Jesus comes in and he changes our life. He brings a transformation and he transforms that relationship that we have with God. 2 Corinthians 5.18 um, is, is, is fantastic. It says, Christ changed us from enemies into his friends and gave us the task of making others his friends also. That's what we're doing in thy kingdom come, isn't it? We're saying, I'm a friend of God and I'd love you to be a friend of God. Our message is that God is making all human beings his friends through Christ God did not keep an account of their sins and he has given us, he has given us, who's he given? Who's he given? Can't hear you, who's he given? And does that include you? Does that include me? He has given us, it says there, the task or the message which tells how he makes them his friends. You see, Jesus reconciled us to God so that we can have a relationship with God, but then God gives us the task to reconcile others to God. He says, go around telling people you can be reconciled to God. You can be in a relationship with God. You can know God intimately. You see, in the Old Testament, they had to do sacrifices uh, uh, for, for, for their sins, and uh, they just had to keep repeating it. But there was only one guy in the whole of the nation, the high priest that was able once a year to go in to the, to the holiest of holies and to be able to intercede for the people. He, he represented what Jesus is going to do. But Jesus comes and he reconciles that. So no longer do I need to go through somebody else. I don't need a high priest. I don't need, I don't need a pope. I don't need a pastor. I don't need 
uh, whoever he might know needs some saints to pray to. They don't matter. They don't, you know, you don't pray to angels. You don't, none of that matters because you have a direct connection, reconciled relationship with God. Isn't that something to be celebrated? To know that you right now, whatever your circumstances, your situation, whether you're feeling guilty or there's something in your life and you think, I can't break the habit, you can come to God and he can come to you and say, I can put it right for you. I can change your heart. I can change the way you think. I can solve it because I am in the business of transforming relationships. And that's what we do. Christ draws. That's what his ministry was, to draw, to reconcile us to God. And that's what reconciles us to each other, is the presence of Christ. The Christ in me greets the Christ in you. And so together we do that, that bond in Christ. Yeah? That's how we have fellowship with each other. Fourthly, rebirth. In other words, there's a, a regeneration that goes on in our life. There's, there's a new life and a new identity. And that's what he does. He gives us a new identity. This whole issue in the, in, the, in, in, in the gospel is that we are no longer what we were, but we now are somebody else. So whatever my identity was, I now have a new identity. I'm now in a new family. I now have a new father. I now, I now have a new destiny. I now have new purpose. And, and I get my identity of who I am from God. So it's so important, isn't it? In, in other words, instead of being confused, instead of being aimless in life, God gives us a new identity and says, now you have meaning and purpose in life. Now you have a purpose. Can you not see that? Because of who, because of what I've done on the cross. And so he gives us that. T Titus says this, God saved us because of his mercy. And not because of any good things that we have done. He washed us by the power of the Holy Spirit. He gave us new birth and a fresh beginning. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Anyone who belongs to Christ becomes a new person. The past is forgiven and everything is new. Isn't that fantastic? We get a new life in Christ. I don't know about you, but I like a fresh start. Yes? I like the fact that I have a new identity, that I am not who I used to be. I am who God says I am, and I can do what God says I can do. Isn't that fantastic? Revelations 5.19 says they sang a new song. I was thinking about that this morning as we were praising. I thought, I don't actually need to stand up and preach this morning, and I know you're wishing I hadn't, but anyway. But I, I didn't need to because it was in the song. The songs we sang this morning was the message, wasn't it? Yeah, that was, that was powerful. So there we go. They, they sang a new song, you are worthy, for you were killed and by your sacrificial death, you bought for God's people, uh, you bought for God, people from every tribe, language, nation, and race. He has a people, he has a family. God has a family. And when we acknowledge him and what he did on the cross, it changes that. Romans 6 says this, Sin's power over us was broken when we became Christians and were baptized to become a part of Jesus Christ. Through his death, the power of your sinful nature was shattered. And when God the Father, with glorious power, brought him back to life again, 
you were given his wonderful new life to enjoy. Isn't that amazing? And fifthly, is resurrection. Because of what he's done on the cross, he has defeated death and the devil. He's defeated it. The ultimate thing that we fear, he's defeated it. So we no longer need to fear death. I no longer fear death. I'm not, I might be a bit afraid of getting dead. <laughs> but I'm not afraid of being dead, okay? <laughs> we have a hope. And so one of the things that I find the most saddest thing is when I do funerals, and even when I do funerals for believers, but I've done some for unbelievers or people that you think to yourself, well, they maybe went to church two or three times in, the, in their life. Let's pray and hope that maybe they made a decision on their deathbed. Maybe there was, and you just see that in the families, you see in the friends, there's no hope. And they start to question it. You go to a funeral and they start talking to you when normally they can't stand you. They're not interested in you. They're only interested in whatever it is that they want to do through their week and in their business, in their social life. But suddenly come to a funeral and they're faced with death. And suddenly they want to talk about it. And say, well, you know, and, and all I'm saying to you is when you're Christians, you still grieve. We grieve because of our loss. But we know that one day we will see them again because God has reconciled them and us to Christ. We know there is a hope, there is a resurrection because he rose, we rise. Because he lives, I live. Is that not right? So we have a resurrection. And it's a resurrection that's worth telling people about. Is that not right? Let's stand together and let's just pray. And maybe today you just want to put something on your communication card. And I don't know which aspect it might be that's in your life. But I believe that God wants to talk to us today. I believe that he wants us to leave having made a decision and saying, I'm going to take that on board, what you have done for me today, and I'm going to live differently. I'm not going to look at what the world tries to do and the world tries to say is a solution, but you're going to turn to God because he holds the solution. He is the answer to the world's problems. Every aspect is in God. And I believe this morning we can walk out of here transformed because that's why this church exists, to transform lives, to change lives, to change people's eternity, to change their lives for an hour so they can have a power to live for, so they can have their sins forgiven and a hope in heaven. Isn't that fantastic? That's what we have, the church has, because of Christ and the cross. Amen. Let's praise him. Let's, as we worship and fill your communication card and just put something on there that just says something about what God's speaking to you today and, uh, and, and, and because we want to rejoice with you. Yeah? There's something about making a declaration. There's something about writing on the card that says something that you're just saying, in faith, this is what I'm going to do. It might be you're going to say, today I'm going to believe I am who God says I am. Today I'm going to believe that I have been reborn. I'm going to believe today that I, that, that I am no longer who I was, but I have a new identity. And it doesn't matter what anybody else says, I know what God speaks over my life. And he speaks favor. He speaks blessing. He speaks who you are. He speaks into your future. 
He knows how things will end in your life. He's already seen the end from the beginning, yes? A bit like when you're watching the match of the day. Well, you ladies watching match of the day, I know. But, but you record something and you're watching it back after. It's already happened, but you're kind of... It's, it's like God has already seen the way we're going to be. But this church is what God has died for. And this community that we have around us, God died for the community. He died that they could know that they could know a new identity, that they could know resurrection life, so that they could know what it is to be reconciled to God. That's what he's looking for today. Will you just sing with gusto? Will you sing with passion in your heart? And will you serve him with everything that's in him? Not because you have to do and because you learn anything. You'll get diddly in for it if you try to earn something. But if you will just serve him because you say, Lord, I love you and I'm just so grateful for what you've done. I want to, Lord, just be involved in ministering to others because of what you've done for me. Amen. If you would like to know more, please visit us at www.thedestinychurch.co.uk.